0: We're going to begin this morning looking at a graph, right? And So before you decide to take a nap, uh, I promise it isn't going to be math class. It'll be, it'll be brief. It's just to illustrate a point as we're, as we're getting together. Um, you know, when you first become a Christian, if, you, if you're with us and you follow Jesus, maybe you can remember those first few months that growth feels like a very upward track, lots of great things. Uh, but growth in the Christian life, I don't know where we get the idea, it doesn't really remain like that. We're this warm fuzzy experience and it's always getting better and better each day. Oftentimes, the reality of what the Christian growth looks like is the red uh, line on your screen there. This is more like what we experience right where you got high peaks and low low valleys. And what I want to do over the next two weeks is talk about those valleys. Talk about those low valleys that we hit really oftentimes each and every day. What do we do in those? And I, and I think this is important for where we are as a season of a church. And so as I sat here last Sunday and great sermon from Micah from Vapor preaching about we, if when, we, when we die to ourselves, when we die, we begin to find our purpose and we can live for God on mission with him. And I sat there and thought about it and I was excited about what he was communicating from the scriptures and where Jesus wants us to be. And then I realized Monday morning is right around the corner. And it doesn't always feel like what I felt in the worship service that moment. And then I thought about where we are as a church, and we're in a high vision season, talking about grace for the city, vision of things we want to see happen in our community and through our church over the next five years. We've talked about this rhythm of missional hospitality, of us opening our homes to the people around us that God's placed before us. And to get excited about those things, but every one of those requires great sacrifice. And despite our peaks, when we get excited about where God wants us to be on mission with him, we may find ourselves waking up on Monday and life hits us, right? Our job may not feel as missional as we want it to feel. Uh, Our responsibilities in life pile up. We feel the pull to live on mission with God, but our motivation just begins to wane. And I think we face those Low valleys in the Christian life often, and we get discouraged. And we sure enough aren't going to talk about them, right? Because then we're going to look like some weak Christian and something's wrong with us when everybody else has got it all together. And what begins to happen is we hit those valleys, and if we don't understand what the Scriptures really teach about those moments, uh, we can get stuck there. And, 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 And apathy begins to sit over us, and it feels like we're trying to walk through mud. And the good news is that God's given us the Psalms. And there's so many psalms that have rich pictures of what we're feeling in those moments. And this morning and even next week, we're going to talk about Psalm 42 and 43. And it's going to give us a picture that this really, these valleys are a, a description of a lot of the Christian life. They're not out of the norm. They're not the exceptions. They're what so many of us go through all the time. And he's given us the psalms of the Bible, the prayer and Song Book of the Bible, and many of them are psalms of lament. And uh, Psalms of Lament capture what we want life to be like, but it just isn't there. And they give us a sense of what that's like. And so, what do we do when we hit these valleys? Where do we go? Well, we're going to be learning about what it looks like to persevere in these valleys and how do we process these valleys. We're going to have two weeks on this. We want to live on mission as a church. When we wake up on Monday morning, that's often not where we find ourselves to be. So, what do we do from there? And so, the big picture of what we want to see this morning, you'll see it on the screen here. Walking with God in the valley begins with processing our experience in his presence. That walking with God in the valley begins with processing our experience in his presence. Let's pray. Father, we gather as your people this morning, and your people all over central Kentucky are meeting in churches that preach your gospel. And we want to ask you to do what we have no power to do, and that's to open our eyes to the beauty of who you are and what your scriptures teach. We come in this morning and we bring a lot of baggage. We bring a lot of brokenness. We bring a lot of hopes and dreams and ambitions. As a church, we're dreaming about very big things and exciting things. But God, so much of the mundane of life doesn't seem that exciting. And then we face when we sing these beautiful songs and our hearts just aren't quite in them. And we mouth off the lyrics and we're thinking about what's going to happen later today. We struggle. And we come before you to acknowledge that. And we ask, us, ask you to meet us here this morning. Meet your people all over central Kentucky as they gather in your churches. Open their eyes to see the beauty of who you are and what you've done for us on the cross. And would you teach us, Lord, as we face these valleys, what we do in them. Meet us here, God in your name that we pray. Amen. So I want to give you a little context before we dive into the passage here, just on the Psalms a little bit. And these two Psalms, we're talking 42 and 43, we're putting those together because they're often taken together because of the common theme. And like I said earlier, there's Psalms of Lament. And it's a particular type of psalm that deals with the hard stuff of life. And, and the reality is is the, the largest portion of the psalms in categories is psalms of lament. And some of those psalms of lament come to us because of sin. We'll see those very clearly a lot, a lot of times in the Scriptures where there's something broken in the person's life and they lament over that. Some because of tragedy outside of them. They have no power over. Well, the interesting thing about Psalm 42 and 43 it's neither of those. It's just the valley of everyday life. They're just life is, they, they give us a picture of life as a struggle, not connected to, the, to our sin not necessarily, and not connected to tragedies around us. And these psalms here were meant to be an artistic or teaching song, which is pretty interesting, which meant they were meant to be sung amongst God's people. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? We think about coming and singing together happy songs, and they're coming together to sing a psalm of lament. Why is that? I think it begins to teach us that lots of life is reflected in this psalm. And as we gather, we need to be reminded of that. And it begins to teach us what it looks like to persevere in the valley. And so we're going to begin talking about the experience of the valley. That valleys in the Christian life are not the exception, that they're often the norm. And so what was the experience of the valley for the psalmist? Well, uh, this psalm speaks about the experience of the valley with two, two kind of images, and we're going to deal with those two. The first one is thirst, and you'll see it here, and we'll see it in the very opening verses of Psalm 42. As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? So we he, hear deer, okay, we know what deer are like. We know what flowing streams are like. You might think of, you know, uh, the knobs or the mountains of eastern Kentucky and a deer out there. Get that image out of your mind, right? Uh, where where this was written and the context was written, the people this was written into originally, it was, it didn't look like central Kentucky, all right? It was an arid, dry place. It's better to think of those specials in Africa, which you have on the screen here of dry and parched land, right? And as, as, they, as they would write about this, the, the readers would have known... They have seen staggering deer looking for water, dying of thirst. That's the picture here he wants us to have in mind. Not this kind of uh, happy, frolicky deer. You know, this is trotting through the desert, dying of thirst. Many of you may have done yard work this weekend, and you come in from the yard, and you're pretty thirsty, right? You want a little, tall glass of water. This isn't that. <laughs> this isn't looking for a refreshing drink. This is I'm dying of thirst. If I don't find a pool, life is over. That's the picture we're getting here of what this thirst was like. And to contextually, we're not going to go there, but verse, verse 4 tells us that this was about uh, this, the psalmist being gathered in Jerusalem with God's people. Now, contextually, it's a, that's the actual situation he's dealing with. He wasn't in Jerusalem. He's thinking about going to Jerusalem and being with God's people. Uh, for the Old Testament, Jerusalem was for, central for the experience of, of God because that's where the temple was at. And so for us, though, in the New Testament, Jesus ushered in a new era where our experience of God is much less tied to a place. Even though we can't experience God uniquely as we gather in a worship service, it's not the same as it was in the Old Testament. But what's at the heart of this psalm is about God's presence. It's about experiencing who He is. The joy, the peace, the experience of His presence. Tim Keller Describes the condition of the psalm as a severe spiritual dryness, a loss of the sense of God's reality and presence. And what I want you to notice here is this thirsting in the psalm is a thirsting without quenching. And I had an interesting experience. Early in my Christian life, there was a lot of thirst for God, a lot of quenching of that thirst and finding in God. There became a season where it wasn't, there was thirst but no quenching. And I'm. Our, maybe you guys know this guy named Paul Washer, a uh, great preacher, speaker. We had him at a conference uh, when, when I was working with a ministry called Campus Outreach, and we got to have lunch with him, and I was just talking about my experience. He said, you realize, Kevin, that's normal Christian life, right? Have you not read Psalm 42? Every other time I read Psalm 42, I thought about it as a thirst being quenched. We're back and read it again. The thirst isn't quenched. The psalmist finds himself thirsting for God, but nothing seems to be there. And we can often find ourselves here, can't we? It's a taste. We we know what God's love tastes like, but we have a season where His love to us is more like a concept. We sing songs, and they're just words on a page to us, right? It's when reading the Bible can often seem very dry and dull. Nothing seems new or exciting to us. It's when God can feel distant and absent. It's when accomplishments at work or entertainment or more stuff or gains in the stock market can seem a whole lot more appealing than God can. That's thirsting without Quenching. When we don't have, when we're not gaining traction, right? We don't want the stagnant waters of the world, but we can't seem to find the flowing streams of God. That's what the psalmist is speaking about here. That's the description. And what I want to encourage you with is God gave us these psalms because He wants us to know that is a lot of the Christian life, this side of Jesus returning. That's the picture. Thirsting without quenching. Then you get another image here of a wave's crashing psalm 42 7 deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls all your breakers and your waves have gone over me again this image begins to help us understand more what the season the christian life is like it's like being trapped in a stormy ocean or a waterfall that keeps beating you down you can't catch your breath you feel like you're drowning from life that's the picture here that the psalmist is describing and as I thought about this image, I thought about I would love calm waters of life to live out God's purpose. I'd love it. I'd love it if life was easy. It'd be a whole lot easier to live with the mission that God's called us to as a church if life was easy. But much of life feels like the breaker's just constantly crashing over your head, right? You, you're ready and you're eager for mission, then the wave of just broken things around your house that you got to fix falls on you. You had that wave where you just wake up and you had plans and all of a sudden you got a tree through your house, right? That happened to several of our families this week. The wave of seeing others' lives on social media crashes down. It looks a lot better in your life, right? The wave of seasonal depression or other long-term depression crashes upon you. The wave of a bill with no money to pay crashes. Student debt crashes upon you, right? You want to live on mission in the wave of a child struggling, Running off crashes down upon you. The wave of illnesses and deaths crash upon you. And those waves are on top of a thirsting for God that doesn't seem to get quenched. This is the life, the valley that the Psalms are telling us about. One of the waves that the psalmist felt was being marginalized and made fun of by those around him. Listen to Psalm 42, verse 3. My tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all day long, where is your God? They're mocking Him. He calls it a deadly wound in His bones. His adversaries taunt them while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Some of you know what this feels like, right? This is a different place and a different time, but many of you know what it's like to be marginalized by your family, right? Or in school, you feel this. You feel like your friends mock your faith. I've been on the other side of that as a non-Christian mocking my friend's faith. Maybe in your workplace where you're looked down upon, you're avoided or talked about behind your back. That was some of the waves that were crashing down upon the psalmist. And so where did this leave the psalmist? Well, he gives a summary. and really is a repetition that brings these two psalms together. That's a summary of what his experience felt like. And So we'll see these verses on the screen here. There's a sense of being feeling forgotten by God. Psalm 42.9, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Many of us don't know that we could be that bold to say that to God, but the psalmist felt that comfort. Right? 43.2, why have you rejected me? He's saying to this to God. Then there's a phrase that's repeated three times in these two psalms that capture the summary. It's in verse 42, 5, 11, and 43, 5. Why are you cast down, O oh my soul? He's talking to himself at this point. Why are you in turmoil within me? So where does the thirst and waves leave him? Not a pretty place. Cast down and in turmoil. The cast down, the despair, reduced, weakened. That's the definition of it. Turmoil, it's troubled, unsettled, churned up inside. Can you identify with these phrases? Many of us don't want to admit this is where we are. This is where I found myself many times. These phrases greatly capture my experience. And I want us to see that the Bible is right in calling us on a high missional purpose and as a church to have a high mission on where we're going. But it's also realistic to tell us what the day-to-day life often feels like. We hear the great calls to live out for the grace, for the city vision, to intentionally embrace the rhythm of of missional hospitality. But when we wake up each day, oftentimes what we feel is what Psalm 42 and 43 is telling us. What do we do with that? How do we walk in the valley? What are the first steps that we need to take? Well, I want us to begin talking about what it looks like to process the valley in His presence, but there are a couple ditches that we need to be aware of when we're in these valleys. And you, you'll, you'll see them on the screen. The, the first ditch here, I, I believe, is, a, is that we want to abruptly deal with the valley by taking a good theology that we know that God is good and sovereign and in control and He's working all things for good, but we want to quickly stamp it on what life in the valley is like. And just quickly tell ourselves, it's going to be fine, it's going to be fine, it's going to be fine. And there's nothing wrong with that theology. It's true. And there'll be a time and place, and we'll get to next week when, it, when we need to remind ourselves of the truth of who God is. But there's no cable cars out of this valley. There's no shortcuts. Quickly saying and positively thinking about what God is really like doesn't necessarily get you out of the valley quickly. And that's a ditch we can fall into. Because that's not what we see happening. There's no quick way out of Psalm 42 and 43. But another ditch and another danger for us is that we feel this unquenched thirst for God And we've got these waves crashing over us. We're left with a dry and troubled heart. And it's at that moment that we are very tempted to run to other streams. The valley, God doesn't seem to be delivering. I got this thirst, God. Obviously, you're not quenching this thirst. Maybe this thirst is meant to be quenched in other places. So you binge on technology, right? Scroll through Instagram. Pour yourselves more into work projects, hoping that those will quench this thirst within. Our culture tells us that you've got this thirst and the only place that thirst can be quenched is finding your true self. And we go deeper and deeper in trying to figure out what actually that means. And it's like chasing for a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. It ain't there. This thirst is the right thirst. And it's a thirst for God. It's not a thirst that can be quenched in anything else. And we can't mistake that. Alexander McLaren, a 19th century Scottish Baptist, minister, theologian, he says this. It'll be on the screen. It's profound that he wrote this in the late 1800s. Listen to this truth based off this psalm. I thirst is the voice of the whole world. Meaning, when he said this, talking about this thirst there, the whole world has this thirst. No man is made to be satisfied from himself for the stilling of our own hearts, for the satisfying of our own nature, for the strengthening and joy of our being, we need to go beyond ourselves and to fix upon something external to ourselves. We are not independent. None of us can stand by himself. No man carries within him him the fountain from which he can draw. If a heart is to be blessed, it must go out of the narrow circle of its own individuality. And if a man's life is to be strong and happy, he must get the foundation of his strength somewhere else than in his own soul. We are made not to be independent. We are made next to need not things, but the living being of God, which was what we see in Psalm 42 here. We all long for God. Everyone in this world, whether they understand that's what the thirst is or not, the thirst the psalmist has is the right thirst. What we've got to recognize is that that thirst will go unquenched in this life in many ways. We'll get little taste, but this side of Jesus returning, it will often be unquenched. Because we know who we long for, and the little tastes are not enough. We want more. And so the contents of this psalm begins to show us how to avoid these ditches and process The valley in His presence. And the essence of what that first step is, and this is simple, I know this is simple, but it is profound at the same time, and we'll see it on the screen here, is that we need to take our experience of the valley to God in prayer. It's that simple. That's the first step in the valley. It's to take our experience of the valley to God in prayer. And so this really begins just with an awareness of our hearts and what's happening inside of us. That's the first place we begin. And just think about this. So often we go through life and we don't understand or we haven't processed what we're wrestling through in the moment and we just keep plodding through. Think how profound it is that the psalmist wrote a song about his experience. He was willing to look at the depth of what he felt, put it to words, and then invites all of Israel to sing it with him. He would investigate plumb the depths of his heart, and then share it. There's truth there for us. we got to look. we got to be willing to be honest with what we see in our hearts in the valley. We've got to search it and then share it. We can't process life in the valley without it being looked at. The psalmist didn't experience the valley and just say, God, you're good, and move on. Because he wouldn't have got out of the valley that way. The first step was to process what he was actually experiencing in the valley. And that's why we actually have Psalm 42 and 43. And next we see that the psalmist isn't merely complaining to friends about the valley. No, the psalmist goes to God. Look at these verses here in Psalm 42 and then 43. 42.1, So pants my soul for you, O God. He's talking to God about the valley. 42.4, Forty two four. these things I remember as I pour out my soul. He's pouring out his soul to God. In verse 9, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? He's not saying to his friends. He's talking to God himself. And then 43.2, why have you rejected me? He's talking to God himself. There are other things that are happening in the psalm, and we're going to look at those next week, but I want you to see that the valley, rather than pushing the psalmist away from God, drew him to God. And it's exactly where he needed to be to process this valley in the presence of God. It's there comfort resides. It's there we're protected from bitterness, getting in between us and God. And this psalm is just an example of what we see all throughout the Scriptures. I want to mention a couple of the Scriptures here for you. Psalm 55, too, Another picture of what this means is to cast your burden on the Lord. He will sustain you. The psalmist is turning the pain and frustration of the valley... That he puts the words into a prayer to God. Now, that might seem overly simple, but it is very profound. And this is what the gospel purchased for us. This ability to go to God like this. And then we see in the New Testament, 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt you at the proper time. How do we humble ourselves? What's that look like? Casting all your cares on him. Why? Why? Because He is a Father who cares for us. He's not a Father who's looking at you and I in the valley. I can't believe you're experiencing this. I can't believe you're dry. I can't believe you're more attracted to achievement at work or money than you are me. I can't believe that you thought I've forgotten you. That is not God's response in the valley. What is He inviting us to do? As a Father, He wants us to tell Him what we're experiencing. He wants us to come to Him. That's the picture here. One of the Most beautiful examples I've had in my life of this is with my wife. Um, Long before we came up in here, we started the process of adoption. We were told it would take nine to nine to twelve months, and it took four and a half years. Everything that could go wrong went wrong. Everything from overturning elections in other countries to our our government screwing up our paperwork to you name it. The the the. The losing our paperwork in Congo, left and right. Everything that could go wrong could go wrong. Yet we knew God had called us to this. But it just seemed like he was silent for four and a half years. My wife taught me something in those moments, watching her go on long runs because she didn't know what to do with her frustration and processing her pain in the presence of God. And it was raw and it was messy to watch. But I learned that God invites that. He's big enough to handle the valleys, no matter how big or small they are. And He invites us to process those in His presence. And it wasn't pretty. and it didn't look that great all the time. But this side of it, there's a deeper intimacy because of those valleys. And that's a picture of what Psalm 42 and 43 is inviting us to do. Walking with God in the valley begins with processing our experience in His presence. So where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? I want to leave you just two words that I want to finish with. The first one is freedom. We're going to keep, as a church, this call to sacrifice for His mission and for each of us to live this mission out in our daily lives high before us. But we've got to know that when we wake up Monday morning, you are not alone and unique when you feel the waves crashing over you and you are wonder how in the world you're going to invite somebody in your life when you feel like what you do. And I want you to feel freedom in that moment. To know that you're not alone. And to know that the Psalms were given us to, for us to express ourselves before God. Don't be surprised. Don't think it's only happened to you. The Bible is very realistic about what it's like to follow Jesus. And I want you to feel the freedom to name what you're experiencing in the valley in the process in His presence. It's that simple. And you may wonder, what does that look like? How do I do it? And this is the beauty of the Psalms. You can take Psalms like Psalm 42, It's just the most practical thought for you, and you could pray these Psalms. And that could look like you literally, not knowing what else to say, but what the actual Psalm says. And you know what? That's God's Word and He hears it. And He knows everything that's happening in your heart as you're reading it. Or it could be that you just read a line of the psalm and then you just let that guide you before the Lord and talk to Him. That's what it looks like for me to process the valleys in His presence. Just use the psalms to guide you. There's freedom for that. And why is there freedom for that? And this is encouragement for you this morning. Think about this. Jesus grew up In the temple, he would have sung these psalms. Jesus would sing these valleys. Jesus didn't just sing these valleys. He lived these valleys out. He's gone before you. And he's entering the valleys that you have no idea what they'll be like. And he entered into those valleys so that you and I actually would have a one day where there is no more valleys for us but only the heights of being in His presence. Jesus knows what it feels like to be marginalized. His own people rejected Him, right? Jesus knows what it feels like to have waves crashing over Him. On the cross, the tidal wave of God's wrath came upon Him so that it won't come on you and I. Jesus knows what it feels like to thirst for God and not have Him. On the cross, He cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken us? So Jesus has experienced whatever valley you've experienced to an exponential degree. And so on one hand, that means He can sympathize with your weaknesses like the the catechism told us. He knows what it feels like to feel that thirst in those waves. But even bigger than that, He experienced the worst of valleys so that you and I would actually have the freedom to come in His presence and to process the valleys we're in. Let's pray. Father, it is a beautiful, beautiful truth that we don't have to come in to church this morning and walk through routines and act like everything's good and do a few outward acts of obedience and be think that's our Christian duties for the week. It's a beautiful truth that we come to You as we are. It's a beautiful reality that You've given us scriptures written thousands of years ago that capture the very things we woke up this morning feeling. And then how amazing is it that You would send Your Son to walk through the deepest valleys of this life so that there would be one day when our thirst would be forever quenched in Your presence where there'll be no more waves crashing over us, but we would see you as you are, fully and forever. But the moment we live in right now is that, God, we want to live on mission as a church in a very bold and big way. But it's very difficult to know what that looks like with waves crashing over us and thirst that's not quenched. And so we pray that you would help us to... Take that step forward of processing these valleys in your presence. And Father, as we begin to look deeper at the psalm next week, to know what it looks like to persevere. So God, whatever each one of us needs to take away from today, would you meet us there? We need you. Amen. Amen. Please stand for our closing psalm.